right, hey, tonight we are starting a brand new series called This Is Our Story. Uh, Hear me when I say this. This is going to be a really good series, I think. I think this is a series that God is going to use to reveal some things to you. Maybe give you a fresh perspective on things and maybe give you a fresh perspective on God's word. Hey, boys. Yeah, I'll call you out. Hey, I, I think God will give us a fresh perspective on his word through this series. This series, this entire series, what we're going to do is every week, we're going to take a different story in the Old Testament. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've never heard of this story that we'll talk about. But what we want to do is we want to show you how the Old Testament is still relevant to your life today. Because I think a lot of times, right, we, we look at the Old Testament, we look at the Bible and go, hey, the New Testament, man, the New Testament's really great. It's kind of like an instruction manual, a how-to video on YouTube, right? It's, hey, do this, live like this, speak like this, treat people like this, love like this, don't do this, don't do that, right? It's very obvious to us, right? If you go to YouTube or you Google, hey, what are the most watched videos on YouTube, uh, besides like those Mr. Beast videos, which are just like, they're fake. They're all rigged. You know they are. They're all rigged. It's true. They're all rigged. You know they are. Or like Dude Perfect. Like besides the Dude Perfect and Mr. Beast ones, how-to videos are the most popular videos watched on YouTube. They're probably like your parents watching them because they're probably like how to get your middle schooler to listen to you when they talk to you. That's probably what they're YouTubing at night when they go to bed. Let's just be honest. How-to videos, uh, we really like them. They're straightforward. They tell us what to do. And in a lot of ways, that's the New Testament for us. We, people will read the New Testament over and over and over again. But when it comes to the Old Testament, we struggle. Because we read it like a history book. We look at it and go, you know what? It's just a bunch of old dudes who lived a long time ago and who did some crazy and weird things. We look at the Old Testament and go, none of this seems relevant to me. And we read it like a history book. Let me ask you this. Like, when you're in history class and maybe you're studying the American Revolution, what the heck does Paul Revere have to do with your life? Nothing. Nothing. Paul Revere's not going to change your life. Right? He's dead. Who cares if he hung the lanterns and the, like, was it two lanterns, one lantern? I don't know. Who cares if George Washington chopped down the cherry tree? It doesn't affect my life. Abraham Lincoln, right? Like, yeah, he was a president. Like, when we, read the, when we read history books, when we read history books, there's not like a ton of just practical application for us in our lives, right? And a lot of times we look at the Old Testament and we go, yeah, that's just like a history book. There's nothing there for me. So what I think God will teach us through these different stories is that the Old Testament is just as relevant to our lives as the New Testament. This week, we're starting out this series by looking at a story you may have heard of. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. Some of you, you may have heard this story before, but just a little context so that we're all on the same page, and then we'll read. We're going to read some, some scriptures about this story. All right, we're going to give you a really good overview, good picture of this story. Right, but just so we're all on the same page, this story is right, it's in some of the first pages of the book, of the Bible. First several pages. It's in the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible. Right, God had just called Abraham 
well, as he was known was Abram before God changed his name. God says, hey, I want you to get up. I want you to leave your hometown. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to just go where I tell you to go. I'll show you where I'm, you're going. I'll tell you when you get there. But really, I just want you to get up and start walking. And I'll tell you when you get there. And so Abram, he gets up and he begins to follow God. And God begins, as, as Abraham follows God, he begins to make some promises to Abraham. But there's a problem. There's a problem. There's, there's a hang up, a barricade, something that like Abraham just can't get past with God. And it's the fact that he doesn't have a son. Because in the Old Testament, the, one of the most valuable things that a man could have was a son. Because in the Old Testament, right, in Jesus' time, everything got passed down through the family to the firstborn son. If you didn't have a son, everything got lost. Everything got given to a servant or someone else. And so for Abraham, this is a really hard issue for him to get over with God. So if you have a Bible, uh, flip to Genesis chapter 15. It's on your notes. It's going to be on the screens. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 15, verses 2 through 6. Here's what it says. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can actually count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. So here we, we see the promise that God is giving to Abraham, right? God is saying, hey, I, I have some promises and blessings for you. And Abraham says, what does it matter? That's great, God, that you've got promises and blessings in store for me. But what does it matter? Because I can't give it to anyone else. When I die, it all goes to nothing. It doesn't go to anyone. And God says, hey, go outside, look up, count the stars if you actually can. Right? God's got some sarcasm to him. And he says, so will your offspring be. You will have your own son. All right, flip over to Genesis 21. And as we read this, keep in mind, Abraham, when God gives him this promise, Abraham is 75 years old. One, think about what's probably going through Abraham's mind when God says, hey, you're gonna have a son. Dude, you know how old I am? I'm 75 years old. You know how physics and science works? Doesn't really work out for 75-year-olds. Doesn't work out that way. But God says, hey, I will give you a son, and who cares about your age? So here's verse, or chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. Get this, underline this, I don't, circle it. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Just pause right there. Because I think there's so much in those Five, six words right there. It says that God did what he said. It says God did what he promised. Let's keep going. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. 
at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Get this, verse five, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now let's just pause and sit right there for a second. How old was he when God made the promise to him? 75. How old is he when it actually is fulfilled? 100. I don't know about you, but 25 years is a long time for a promise to be fulfilled. Right? Some of us, we can't even wait two days for our parents to keep a promise to us. Right? Your parents say, hey, I'll go get you a new pair of shoes or a new set of clothes or I'll take you to Disney World or I don't know. Get you a new iPhone or a new set of AirPods. Hey, I promise you I'll do that. And like three days later, we're losing our minds because our parents haven't done it yet. Abraham had 25 years that he had to wait. 25 years of patience. Now, if you're like me, here's what I do, right? When, when someone promises me something and it just seems like time is going on and on and on and nothing's happening, it doesn't seem like they're keeping their promise, I kind of get in this like cycle of disbelief, if you will, right? Like I have a lot of hope. I start out with hope. Yeah, they're going to do it. Uh, it's going to be so great. Like a week goes by or maybe a day or a couple hours. I'm like, ah, they're not going to keep their promise. And then I get into this place where like, yeah, there, it's definitely, it's just not going to happen. Like maybe a year goes by. Yeah, this just, it's not happening. I have no hope at this point. But then something begins to happen. Right, when we find our, ourselves in a place where we have no hope and we want something, what do we do? We try to do things our own way, right? right maybe you're someone who you feel like God has promised you something. Maybe you feel like God has said, hey, I've got some really great friends in store for you. Maybe right now you're just struggling with friends and you're like, I, God, I know you've promised good, healthy Christian relationships in my life. Where are they? Because they're just not coming. And maybe we begin to take matters into our, our own hands and we go try to find these friends and what inevitably always happens is we get ourselves into bad friendships, bad influences, bad relationships. Because we think that, oh, we can just do it just as good if not better as God and then it comes back to bite us in the butt. Abraham did that. Sarah did that. Right, time's going on and they're like, yeah, there ain't, we're only getting older. There ain't no way God can give us a son. Abraham, you're almost 100 years old. Get out of here with that crap. You ain't having a son. And you're not having a son with me because Sarah was just as old. So Sarah goes, hey, here, here's one of my servants. Why don't you just have a son with her? And so they do. They take things into their own hands. And when Ishmael is born, God says, hey, that's great and all, but I'm not going to bless it. I'm not going to bless this. This isn't what I had planned. This wasn't my plan. I love Ishmael, but this isn't where the blessings are going to be. Because the blessings only come when we obey God. All right, let's wrap up this story real quick. Genesis chapter 22, starting in two through three. We're going to hop around here a little bit. Listen to this. Then God said, take your son, he's speaking to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. 
Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Man, think about that for a minute. Listen to these words. Early the next morning. Abraham didn't delay. Abraham got right up. He got up early the next morning, got up like 3 a.m. the next morning. And it says that he got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. Abraham didn't even question God. Isaac is his like most prized possession. He's, he's waited a hundred years for a son. Now he's spent time with Isaac. Isaac has gotten older now. And he's spent time with him. He loves him, his only son. And God says, go sacrifice him. Go give him back to me. Get this, as in verse five, as Abraham is going to the mountain with Isaac, he turns to his servants and he says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. Now let's pause right here for a second because I think this really shows us the faith that Abraham has. Abraham doesn't doubt God for a minute. Even the words he uses shows the confidence that he has in the fact that God will provide for him, that God is going to make another way for Isaac to live, for him to keep his son, to hang on to the promise that God has given him. He has extreme faith in God. As they're going up, Isaac starts to catch on. Like, could you imagine, like, maybe you're, I don't know, going to start a fire with your dad or something? You're like, Dad, where's the wood? Oh, don't worry about it. And like, he's got some secret plan. He's like, oh, God will provide. Right, they're going up the mountain. They know, Isaac knows they're going to sacrifice a burnt offering, which means you gotta have wood, fire, and something to sacrifice. And he starts to realize they don't have a goat, which is normally what they would sacrifice, or a ram. Dad, <laughs> what are we gonna sacrifice? Because we don't have anything to sacrifice, and I'm starting to get a little worried here. Listen to this, though. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. In verse 10, it says, then Abraham, he reaches out his hand. God hasn't provided yet. Abraham's going through with it. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife out to slay his son. We're about to have a Dateline episode. <laughs> but the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Right, there's a lot here, right? God's coming in with a buzzer beater. We may look at this and say, how on earth is any of this relevant to my life today? Because I don't know anyone that's like going up on into the Rockies and like sacrificing their son to God. Like I just, that's weird. We don't do that. We don't do that. How, how is any of this relevant to us? Let me just ask you this. Are any of you waiting for God to do something good in your life? Are any of you waiting for God to show up, to speak to you, to, to do something, to show you that like he's actually there? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. 
But I know that there are times in my life where I'm like, God, where are you? God, I, I need to see you. I, I am waiting. And that's how Abraham felt. Abraham was waiting his entire life for a son. And then he gets his son. God says, go sacrifice your son. And Abraham's like, God, I, again, I'm in this spot where I need you to show up. I need you to do something. Because what's about to happen, I don't want it to happen. I love my son. That's how Abraham felt. I think as we, as we peel back and we actually begin to consider what's happening here, we learn a couple things. And the rest of tonight, I just really want to hone in on two ideas. And the first one is that patience leads to God's promises. Patience leads to God's promises. You will never see the promises of God come true in your life if you rush them. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. You know, for me, uh, when I was in college, some of you will understand this when you're in college, there's this whole idea of like, that's called ring by spring. That means uh, you get engaged in the spring semester of your senior year. That means you're engaged when you graduate and then you get married pretty soon after. It's a thing. Why? I don't know. It's just a thing. People find the person that they love in college. They get engaged to them. They marry them. And for me, right, I, I had this idea going into college, right? I'm single. Spent several years single. And I had this idea in my mind that, hey, I'll, I'll be engaged in getting married when I graduate college. But that didn't happen. If anything, it was like the complete and total opposite. Right, senior year, I was single. All my friends had girlfriends. All of my friends were getting engaged. And here I am. I'm just hanging out, flying solo. And I'm sitting here going, God, what the heck is going on? Because I know that you desire, like from the first pages in the Bible, I can see that you desire a loving relationship for me to be in. Right, marriage is something that God designed and instituted. It's something good. It's a promise. So God, what the heck is going on? Little did I know that he was working out a plan. I moved to Destin, Florida to be a youth pastor. And he begins working in the life of a girl who with if it hadn't been an act of God speaking to her and working in her heart would never have moved from Memphis, Tennessee to Destin, Florida. But God began working in this random, I'd never met this girl. Moves her to Destin, Florida to teach kindergarten. And some of you, you can piece together the rest of the story. But this is two years after I graduated college, I meet Elizabeth. Right? And God begins, God begins to work that relationship. Because I've learned something through that. And maybe for you, yeah, you're not ready to get married. You, look, don't date. Girls, exhibit A tonight. The boys, they ain't ready. They ain't ready. They ain't ready. They ain't ready. Listen, y'all giving me ammo, so I'm going to use it. Listen, though. Like some of you, you're waiting on friends. Some of you, you're waiting for playing time on your sports teams. Some of you, you're waiting for stage time. You're waiting for the big part in the play. 
and you feel like God has given you these gifts, God has given you these desires, and it's just not working out. What I'm telling you is that if you'll be patient and allow God to work, you'll begin to see the blessings and promises come true in your life. You know, I, I think if we're honest, there are things that we're anxious about and things that we're waiting on God for. Maybe you tonight, maybe you just need to be honest with yourself and fill in this blank. Fill it in. I'm anxious about or I'm waiting on God for what? Here's some of the things your leaders are waiting on or anxious about. I'm anxious about my relationship with others. It's one of your leaders. Here's another one. I'm anxious about what my future looks like. Any of that, y'all? Any of you anxious about what your future looks like? Is maybe some of you are getting ready to go into high school. Some of you middle school is just terrifying. You're a sixth grader and like middle school is just crazy. And look, some of the stuff that goes on in public school is crazy. And I, you're anxious about your future. Hey, so are your leaders. Here's another one. I'm waiting for God to heal my heart and the heart of someone that I have conflict with. Any of you waiting for resolution in a friendship where you and your friend, you're just not getting along and you need God to kind of mend some relationships? Yeah, your leaders are too. How about this one? I'm waiting for God to show me the reason for this difficult season in life. Any of you, like, life's just hard right now and you're like, God, what, what the heck is going on? That's where your leaders are at too. I'm waiting for God to reach out to my brother and help him be sober. Man. Some of you, maybe that's your parents. I don't know. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister, a cousin, someone in your life. You just need God to heal their life. I'm anxious for my injury to heal and to know what is wrong so I can fix it. Guys, these are things that your leaders are waiting on. These are things that your leaders are anxious about. The, The adults sitting in this room, right? When you look at the adults sitting behind you and around you, this is some of the stuff they're struggling with. And if we're being honest, most of us are struggling with something too. So fill in that blank. Fill it in. Because I promise you that if we're patient, God's going to work on those things. I do think, though, that there's a danger when it comes to the promises that God gives us. Right? God gives us a lot of, maybe you're extremely talented at sports. Right? Emma's obviously great at basketball. We all saw that last week. Right, the Bundys and Maggie, they're great at soccer. Uh, I watched Christian play hockey the other day. He was kicking tail at hockey. If you don't want to see me ice skate. But I, th- I think we need to be careful, though. Because a lot of times what happens when we wait a long time, right? Think about Abraham. He waited a long time for Isaac. So when God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I want you to go sacrifice and give up your blessing. What do we think Abraham realistically might have said today? "Uh Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. You know how long I waited for this? 100 years. 100 years I waited for a son. And you want me to go give him up? No. I'm not doing it. How many of us, we sit there and say, God, you want me to give up a practice of sports to go to church? Nah, I ain't doing it. Skip basketball practice, go church. Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. Leave, leave practice 10 minutes early, go to, uh-uh. Mm-mm, God, you just, you're stepping out of bounds. 
How many of us are unwilling to sacrifice things for God? Let's just be honest. God's the one that's given you the talents, gifts, and abilities that you have. The blessings that you have in life, God's given them to you. And we're not willing to give them up because they become idols in our lives. They become idols in our lives. Blessings can become idols. If we're not careful, the blessings and promises that God gives us, we end up liking those more than we like God. Let that sink in for a minute. And really, that's, that's the question of the night. Do we want the blessings? Or do we want the God who gives the blessings? You can't have both. They can't both be the top priority in your life. Ask yourself that. Honestly, like, Nathan, do, do, I, want, do I want the promises and blessings from God more? Or, or do I want the God who gives the blessings? Do I want a relationship with him more? If I'm being honest with myself too often, I'm on the side of wanting the blessings more than the relationship. Maybe I'm the only one in the room like that. Maybe I'm not. I'm probably not. But I know a lot of times when God says, hey, I, I want you to sacrifice this to follow me and be obedient and to put your relationship with me first, a lot of times I say no. I say I'm not going to do it because I like the blessing more. Some of us need to be honest on that and say, God, hey, I, I'm sorry. Help me to want you more than the things that you give me. God's not a genie. God's not a vending machine. God desires a relationship with us. And I'll be honest with you. God only gives continued blessings to the people who are obedient to him. If you want to see God work in your life, start with obedience. Start with putting him first. And then you might be surprised. Second thing that I think that we can learn through this series or through this story tonight is that patience reveals our purpose. Patience reveals our purpose. I I don't know about you, but when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I, I really struggled with this idea of God, like what is your purpose for my life? What do you want me to do? Right, I was the, the kid in high school who everyone else knew what they were, they were gonna be doctors, lawyers, engineers, like accountants, just anything to make a lot of money. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what that guy went. I wanna be an anesthesiologist. Whatever the heck that is, you probably don't want me doing your anesthesia. Uh, then I went to like, I want to be an FBI agent because I love to show criminal minds. Yeah, I don't like running, so that wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> and then I, like, I got hurt playing football, and so I was in physical therapy. I was like, man, physical therapy sounds cool. So I, I applied to college. I applied to college as a physical therapy major. <laughs> I don't know what the heck I was thinking because I hate school. Uh, and like the schooling you have to go through to be a physical therapist. You need a 
yeah, you got to go to like medical school. Not for me. Uh, <laughs> and so here I am, April of my senior year of high school, and God just says, Nathan, what the heck are you doing, man? Like, let me, let me show you what you're going to do. April of my senior year. I'm graduating in less than a month. And I go to my guidance counselor and say, hey, uh, weird question. How do you change your major without going to college? <laughs> and so I called Auburn and I said, hey, uh, you, this probably isn't normal, but I need to change my major, but I'm actually not a student there yet. I'm still in high school. And I'm going to do psychology because I feel like God's calling me into ministry. And I want to be able to help people. And I want to be able to help them with what they're struggling with. It took a lot of patience for God to finally reveal to me what my purpose was. And some of you, you're like, God, I, I just don't know what like, you want me to do with my life. It's okay, he'll tell you, but you're in middle school. You got some time. Be patient. But what I can tell you right now is that your purpose is to be obedient. Your purpose is to be obedient. Your purpose is to be obedient in the classroom. Teachers, woo, preach. Amen. Yeah, there it is. You, your job is to be obedient in the classroom. Your purpose is to be obedient at home in your family. Your purpose is to be obedient to God in your friendships. Right? Your, your purpose is to set the example and to live for God in everything that you're doing. It's to be obedient. And what we know is that God blesses the obedient. We just hit this. But let me show you in Genesis. Right, right after Abraham has gone up on the mountain, he's getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. God says, hey, don't do it. Here's what God says to Abraham. This is Genesis 22, 16 through 17. God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, because you've been obedient, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. So here's what we know about Abraham. What we can take away from Abraham tonight. Four things. First, Abraham had faith. Right? Abraham had extreme faith in God. Even when the promise looked like it wasn't going to be fulfilled, even as God calls him to go sacrifice Isaac, he says, we will worship and we'll come back. God will provide. That's faith. Abraham believed the promise. But here's the truth. Like Abraham wouldn't have believed the promise if he didn't first have faith in God. Why would he? Next, Abraham had patience. Abraham had patience. Right, if, if Abraham doesn't have faith, if Abraham doesn't believe the promise, why on earth would he be patient to wait for God to work in his life? He wouldn't. And finally, Abraham followed. Abraham was obedient. He followed God. Now, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Put your name in there. Instead of Abraham, ask yourself, do you have faith? Do you believe the promise? Do you have faith? patience? Are you following God? Ask yourself those questions. 
If you can say yes to all four of those things, honestly, like, you know if you're lying. You know if you're being honest with yourself. If you can say yes to those things, then hey, guess what? God's gonna work and move in your life in ways that you could never imagine. But if you can't say, hey, I have faith, or hey, I believe in the promises of God, or hey, I, I have patience, or hey, I'm, I'm obedient to God, guess what? You're not gonna see promises. Promises like, hey, when God says, search for me and you'll find me, I will protect you. My love will never fail you. God promises salvation. He promises all things will work for our good, that he'll comfort us in trials and struggles, that we'll have peace through prayer, that he'll meet our needs, that he'll give us rest, that he'll give us abundant and eternal life, that he will return, and that Jesus, he'll give us Jesus as our savior. Those are just some of the promises that God tells us in scripture. But if you don't have faith, if you don't believe in the promises, if you don't have patience, and if you're not obedient to God, you're not going to see him. But here's what we know. And you, you may remember back in January, right, we did this series called How to Read the Bible. And the second week of that series, we were online because it was like 14 inches of snow, and we were all building igloos. The second week of that series, the idea was that, hey, the Bible, Scripture is Yes, it's a bunch of books, it's a bunch of words and verses, but ultimately it's one story about God. It's one story about Jesus. It's one story that shows the character about God. So the last thing I want to leave you with tonight is the truth about God. The truth about God that we see through the scriptures that God is faithful to keep his promises. And I'd point you back to that second passage of scripture on your notes. That he came through for Abraham and Sarah just as he said he would. It says just as he promised he would. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this night. God, uh, we thank you for the words that you have for us in the Old Testament. God, we just pray that you would open our eyes truly to the, the beauty of your scripture, the beauty of the Old Testament. God, to help us see how it really is relevant and how it does apply to our lives. God, we pray that you would speak to us through this story of Abraham and Isaac. God, that you would help us to be patient and to wait on you. To wait on you, to be patient for you, to work the blessings and promises that you've given us out in our lives. God, I know that you have blessings and promises and plans for these students' lives. God, I know some of these students tonight, they just want to see you. They just want to see you work and move in their life. God, they're just, they feel like they've not seen you, that you've just not showed up. But God, I just pray that you'd help them to be patient. Help them to be patient and to wait on you. Help them to have faith and believe your promises. Help them to have patience and obedience. God, as we go to small group tonight, I pray that you'd just continue to speak to us Help us to continue to focus and help us to live for you each and every day. In your name we pray, amen.